Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about all things UFOs, because unless you've been living under a rock, there's a whole lot of UFO to talk about. But first, as always, we have to talk about the best people in the world, that's the patrons. Shoutouts to the patrons, head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac. Shoutouts to Alicia, Rebecca, Esteban, Orlando, Ann, Stephen, Jane Ann, Jennifer, Heather G, Zuzus, What's It, Paula Cassidy, Bishop, Rick, Nico Share and the Mouse, Paul, Mark, Tortuga, Hannah Boo, Mike from Jersey, Jay Bizzle, Andy, Tracy, Cindy, Virginia, Tony, Jason, Vicky, Crow, Clay, Buzzley, Hey Howdy Hi, Lobita Works, Glacier Main, Isabel, Jen Jen, Stacy, Amber, Tracy, Kelly Joe, Menace the Beast, Kick Ass Magic Robot Webcomic, Sandy, Paige, Couch, Bentman666. Still a great one. Andrew. Hey, howdy. Hi. Scott, Andrea, Melody, Vicky, Vanessa, Marisol. Liam, Roger, Alicia Lopez, Becca, Jake, and the Beasties, Elizabeth, Voidtech, Sherry, Art, Muffin, Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Ricardo, Ian, Alexander, George, Seth, Ian, Zozo the Demon, Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, oh, I'm having a hard time with this one, Russell, April, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Stacy, Jerry, Lindsay, Hahn, Jeff, T, Joe, Lawrence, the Lawrence, Strawn, hey, howdy, hi, Veronica, Autumn, J. Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Martin, Jade, Nanashi, Chuck, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura, Pitts, and Gamer Fan. All right, I got to admit, last night I went to, I was invited to a, a party for uh, the red carpet for Party Down by a good buddy of mine, Aaron. And it was an absolute uh, blast. I absolutely love Party Down, the TV show. If you haven't watched it, it's on Stars. Free plug for you. There you go. You can get Stars for like, I don't know, like six months for like 20 bucks. It'll be worth it is what I'm saying. All free plugs. I'm not getting paid to say any of that. Then, after the red carpet, and we got to watch a couple episodes of, of Party Down, we went to the after party. We, so we drove like 20 minutes away. We were over by like UCLA. And then so we drove like uh, 20 minutes away to this house you can look it up. It's called the Palazzo di Amore. If you just look up Palazzo di Amore, there's like a Wikipedia. You can see all the Google images. It is a $195 million mansion in the hills of Beverly Hills. It was insane. Beyond insane. Why am I telling you any of this? Well, I'm getting to that. So you walk in, walk through a bunch of armored guards, armed guards wearing like... um like bulletproof vests and stuff to protect the priceless art. I totally wanted to do a Thomas Crown affair, but my buddy wouldn't let me. Uh, so we go through. They send us out to this pool, this ginormous pool, just a ginormous backyard, just beautiful, beautiful area. Tons of food, you, you name it. Like you got seafood, you got your meats, you got your pizzas. You got, anyhow, getting to this point. So you go into the discotheque. That's right. This house has a discotheque in it. It's insane. Uh, we go to the discotheque. And it had the largest Willy Wonka table of treats and snacks and candies that I've ever seen. 
And so, you know, I'm on a diet, so I immediately, you know, skip over the charcuterie and the vegetables, and I go right to the dessert plate, um, dessert table, not even plate. It was insane how much they had. But anyhow, then they brought out baggies, like these little plastic, cool, fancy bags, and they're like, help yourself. Take as much candy home as you like. And I'm like, hell yeah. So I took home like three bags of candy, all like high-end candies and like cake pops and mini donuts and delicious crap. But... um, so about like 30 minutes, I was trying to button up this episode because everybody's like, girl, where's the episode? I know. I'm sorry. It's out now. You're listening to it. Relax. Uh, I don't blame you. It was like 10 days since the last one. But so while I'm trying to button up this last episode, I was like, ooh, bags of candy. Eating all those. Ooh, bag of candy. Eating all that. Ooh, bag of candy. I am. I've got the biggest sugar rush that you would not believe. Like my eyes are like vibrating. Like. It's insane. So that's why I could barely read the patrons' names. All of that to loop around to. That's why I could barely read the patrons' names in the shout-outs. Was that a good story? Probably not. But there you go. Palazzo di Amore. Check it out. It's insane. Anyhow, got to finish up the shout-outs. I have two special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and to Stitch. Alrighty, let's get right on into paranormal news because I got a lot of show for you. So I want to get right on into it. Are you curious about the unknown? Paranormal News is here to show all the mysteries and the sights that'll give you chills at night. Paranormal News is the place to be for all your supernatural needs from ghosts and UFOs. We've got it all. Tune in and don't miss a call. We've got experts and eyewitnesses to give you all the evidence, investigations, and live reports. We'll keep you informed, never short. to the dark we'll bring you the facts from dusk till dawn believe it or not it's up to you but we'll bring you the truth if you weren't dancing along to that you've got no soul buzz thank you again i freaking love that pa news that paranormal news uh, intro music. If you want to send over your own Paranormal News intro music, please, please do. I absolutely love them. ParanormalAlmanac at gmail.com. Once again, that's ParanormalAlmanac and gmail.com. Two things that are easy to remember. Alrighty, let's get right on in. To Oh, and that, that intro music is very apt because, spoiler, we do have an expert on this show tonight. Beyond me, beyond being, you know, the world's first paranormal influ- para-influencer and being, like, you know, the expert of Loch Ness uh, and all things Nessie every week. But uh, beyond that, we do actually have an expert on tonight's show, but I don't want to get to that yet. We're not there yet. We're still in the paranormal news. All righty, coming up first, I'm going to get right, I'm going to get the, the Loch Ness stuff out of the way right now because there is an actual update to Nessie from two days ago that they keep bouncing back and forth on this. Now, experts deliver verdict on the theory that the Loch Ness Monster is just a large eel. Now you're going to say, Kurt, you already did this one. You might be right, but this is brand new. It's from two days ago. So an expert has responded to the theory, suggesting that the sightings of the mythical Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, is just one of thousands of eels swimming in the water. All right, what did they say? I'm going to skip right to the end because i got to get to the stuff. Over the course of a few generations, an eel one meter in length may be expected. However, this is not quite the, quote, monster postulated, not a monster. 
So they're saying the sightings have dwindled in the past couple of months and that uh, I think the atmospheric conditions of late are making it unsuitable for Nessie spotting. There's been so much rain, wind, and snow that there's equally that it is equally hard to spot Nessie, whether from a webcam or live at the lock. Not if I would have bought that house, that uh, that church thing right there. Pooh, I would have been finding them. Um, but they said that um, they don't think that an eel solves. Oh Jesus Christ, my phone's blowing up. They don't think that an eel actually solves the Loch Ness mystery or Nessie in general. So once again, we're left with, we don't know what Nessie is, but that's freaking awesome. And another thing that happened two days ago, I'm just going to read you the headline because you, you'll get the, the gist of it. The Loch Ness Monster at 90. Inverness, the, it's basically start, talking about the very first Nessie sighting that really sparked it. Not the one in the 40s with that fake photo and stuff like that, but the other sightings that were 90 years old this month. Very cool. But I said this was going to be all UFO, all things UFOs. I've already lied to you. I've talked about candy and houses that are stupid, expensive, that are just dumb. Uh, amazing, but dumb. But let's get some UFOs in this UFO episode. Mm, I'm going to do this one next, actually, because it's from my hometown of Michigan, my home state of Michigan. Haunted Michigan, Michigan's Hell House, is coming to the Travel Channel. So if you got the Travel Channel, there will be a show about Michigan's Hell House. It's, uh, it's very, very cool. If you don't know what Michigan's Hell House is, I highly suggest you watch the show. I'm not going to go too much more into it than that because I really want to get into the episode. But just know, if you got the Travel Channel... Check it out because I'll be watching it because I love all things Michigan and all things Hell Houses. Hell Housey. All righty, up next in Paranormal News, back to the UFOs. The Pentagon is investigating UFOs that possibly turned off warheads. If you don't know this story, I talked about it a number of times in past UFO episodes and probably will in future UFO episodes. But in past UFO episodes, I've talked about this, so I'm not going to go too far into it, but basically... Former U.S. Air Force personnel reportedly told the Pentagon about their encounters with UFOs back in the 60s. They say the 60s-era UFOs supposedly turned off nuclear warheads. I think it's cool. I love everything about this story. Go find that episode. Uh, let's see, 1967 it happened at the Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana. 1964 at another Air Force Base. Um... Uh, two, he wants more. There's a bunch of people saying they just want more information on those incidents. And the government says they're going to look into it. So I'm all for that. The more that we can pressure them into looking up past famous UFO incidents, I think the better. All righty. Up next in paranormal news. Nope. Not going to. I'm going to skip that one because I want to get into this episode. Uh, let's go to this one. Because it's Washington Journal and it's going to make me, like, sign up for crap. Here we go. This one just happened on Snopes. I thought it was very interesting. Does NASA video show aliens flying two rectangular UFOs? So on Twitter, over on Twitter, which I'm no longer on Twitter. If you're looking for Paranormal Almanac on Twitter, I ain't there. A popular tweet said the video showed two rectangular UFOs that were fast-moving through an atmosphereless region of space. Well, it's miscaptioned. Let's see, February 21st, a Twitter user posted a video recorded by NASA eight years ago showing two rectangular UFOs being flown by aliens 
and it blew up. Everybody was like, here we go. There's proof. Disclosure. Well, um, the video truly was released by NASA, but it had been not been recorded with cameras. The clip shows a digital animation created by, hi, Rum, how are you? Hi, my girl. Hi, sweetheart. The, um, the clip shows a digital animation created by NASA's Scientific Visualization Studio that shows two twin spacecraft satellites from the Gravity Recovery and Climate Experiment. Um, so it's known, it's basically a known video. And it's from JPL's 15 Years of Grace Earth Observations. It's a known video that was on YouTube. Uh, let's see when it was, oops, let me click on that. Let me see when it was published on YouTube. Five years ago, 400 or 46,000 views on this thing. It's a known made up digital animated video about that, that, uh, that grace, um, gravity recovery and climate experiment. So no, everybody, please stop sending that to me. It is not a real video of UFOs from NASA. Not yet. And up next in paranormal news, China and Russia are also encountering and shooting down UFOs. Take this one with a big, big grain of salt, but it, but Money Talk News is saying that Newsweek, which I couldn't find the Newsweek article, reports that the United States is not the only country in the world that is shooting down unidentified flying objects in 2023. In addition to an object believed to be Chinese spy balloon. Oh, we already know about that. We're not going to get into that part yet. Um, they're saying that uh, East China's Shandong province announced on Sunday they spotted an unidentified flying object near the waters uh, in the in waters near the coastal city of Rizhao. Uh, they shot it down. And then in, in Russia, a regional governor in Russia announced that the Kremlin had shot down a UFO originally sighted on January 3rd. So it's not just America. 2023 is filled with governments shooting down UFOs, which... Spoiler, we'll be talking about those in just a minute. I know you're going to be like, Kurt, you're not even going to talk about those UFOs? Come on, they're all over the news. I'll get to it. All right, up next in Paranormal News, Matthew Modine narrates a new UFO documentary, and we've got the first trailer. That's right, it's called Accidental Truth, The UFO Revelations, starring Matthew Modine. I figured, what the hell? Let's watch the trailer together. Only a minute long. Only a minute long. The UFO reality can no longer be denied. I agree. In 2017, the New York Times broke a front page story about a shadowy government program. Pentagon had this secret UFO monitoring agency which nobody knew about. Don't ask me because I'm not going to tell you. Instead of answers, we've been given a new narrative. The UAPs are not ours or any foreign governments. Then the question is, whose are they? You can ask the questions, but who are you going to ask them of? And you've got to make sure you're asking the right people. Maybe it's Kurt Sandvik. That's right, the world's first para-influencer. Kurt, what do you think? I don't know, man. The UAPs, they're unidentified, they're aerial, and they're phenomena. Okay, back to the trailer. There are many things that are out there in the ether that aren't officially brought to our attention. So how would it have to be officially brought to your attention? I'm bringing it to your attention. Sure. Do you expect to see real answers in this report? Uh, honestly, I don't think so, Jake. Memorable quote in that is technology not of this earth, not made by man. That's a profound moment. So, have you studied classified materials, but you just don't have them? I just shouldn't say anything more. 
Individuals at the Pentagon confirmed the Roswell spacecraft is real. It's just a complete cover-up. Some phenomena point to an interaction with consciousness. Maybe the physical evolved from consciousness. Life may exist in all sorts of forms. The question is, what's our definition of life? Accidental Truth UFO Revelations. I'm excited for it. I really am. I think it sounds cool. I think it looks cool. They talked to some people that I really respect and I'm really interested in that I would love to interview. So fingers crossed they might be doing some press on this and I can actually get some people. Uh, some of the future interviews, some of the feature interviews are with uh, Dr. Uh, Michio Okaku, which I'd love to talk to him. Dr. Gary Nolan, Ralph Blumenthal, Nick Pope, Colonel John Alexander, Lou Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, Richard Dolan, Mike Barra, Katie Cook, Dave McDonald, Ron James, Melinda Leslie, Danny Sheehan, Stephen Bassett, Jimmy Church, and Seth Shostak. Lots of cool people on a, again, very interesting looking show. I'll watch a documentary. I'll really watch it. All righty, these last final two in paranormal news, uh, they're not... They're not UFO related, but the first one I thought was very, very cool. It's very short. It's just a one-line sentence in a news story about the horrendous uh, earthquakes that happened in Turkey recently. Um, in the report, they talked to a five-year-old boy that had been rescued from under the, rumble, under the rubble. He spent 192 hours in the rubble. They pulled him out after he was well enough to speak and everything. When they were asking, you know, how did he survive all that time, he said, a person dressed in white would bring me food and water, then would disappear. That's it. That's the whole story. I hope they find that kid and interview him some more. But what an amazing tale. This kid survived 192 hours under the rubble. Not in the rubble. Under the rubble. When they asked him how, he said a person dressed in white would bring me food and water, then would disappear. I love that one. And finally, in Paranormal News... These are the kind of stories that uh, that make me go, uh-huh, sure, all right, yeah, maybe. A conspiracy theory claims that China has discovered uncharted land of dinosaurs. Comes from TikTok, uh, Taurus Queen on TikTok, and I'm sure she's had like millions of hits. Let's listen to her explain it to us. Oh, it's going to be an ad. Nope, no free ads on this show. Um, Hi, Rum, what you doing? Yeah, you're being crazy? All right, good girl. Here we go. Wait, 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 wait. Please stop. So, no one is talking about this. No one. You guys won't believe. I was at the nail salon the other day, and I heard some shocking news. So, I'm at the nail salon, and this is about... Boy, she talks quiet. Two weeks ago. I had to pop these nails off due to work. But anyway, I'm at the nail salon, and... These Chinese people, they are watching the Chinese news. So, all of a sudden, I look up, and I'm interested in the news. And and I always wonder how my word translator, language translator, worked on my phone. So, I turned it on to the Chinese language. And lo and behold, you guys, the Chinese have discovered uncharted land. I'm talking about land untouched. You guys, this is not the shocker. They have found 
Get to it. Dinosaur-like creatures over 13 feet tall. Dinosaur creatures, 13 feet tall. This information is not even available in the USA. No one is talking about it. I cannot find any source, but I also confirmed it with the nail tape that was throwing my nails. I also confirmed All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So this woman in her nail salon using a Google Translator kind of um, language translator app says that uh, the Chinese news that was on the TV said that they had found uncharted lands with 13-meter-long or 13-foot-long dinosaurs, depending on where you who you talk to. They have dinosaur-like creatures over 13-foot tall. Here's my question. Why is China hiding that from people? That's, you know, they can't make, I mean, they can make a ton of money off of it. No matter what, they can make a ton of money off of it. But, like, it's not hurting anybody. Cool. You found Jurassic Park, an actual real Jurassic Park? Let the world know. Charge admission. We'll all go. I mean, even though we know it's going to end bad and people are going to die, people are still going to go. All righty, that about does it for the paranormal news. Uh, let's see. Hold on, Rum. Jump down. All righty. Let's see. Oh, we have merch. Merch is on sale. Head on over to tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. All the merch is on sale. Check it out. Um, if you're listening to this in the future, I can't guarantee it's still on sale. Um, sorry. So let's take a quick break. Oh, no, wait. Before we can take a quick break, AlienCon is going to be in Pasadena. Get your tickets now. Go see me. I'm going to be at AlienCon in Pasadena March 4th and 5th. So March 4th and 5th, 2023, if you're listening to this in the future and you have the ability to come back in time, come back in time and see me. But if you're listening to this today, it's coming up in the future, March 4th and 5th, AlienCon 2023. Lots of great guests. I'm not a guest, but I'm going to be there. I'm invited. I'm an I'm an invited guest. They invited me to be there. Um, so come and see me. Come hang out with me. We'll go get a drink. How's that sound? That'll be fun, right? All right. Alien Con. Should be cool. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Paranormal Almanac. We are back. All righty. On this edition... I wanted to talk all things UFOs and UFO abductions and alien abductions, but what I really wanted was a guest for this episode. And I'm very delighted to say that I actually have one. You'll find out more about that in just a moment. Before we get to her, I have to talk about all the UFO and balloons and mania that's been happening. You can't search news for UFOs without coming across 90,000 pages about these freaking balloons. Um, I will say after everything, the first one is definitely a balloon. This, that Chinese spy balloon, which, you know, got shot down. That's just a balloon. We can stop there. There's a lot of photos. There's a photo that just came out from like the, I don't know what, like the U2 or whatever, the spy plane of the pilot, you know, basically taking a selfie with the spy balloon. It's real. It's a spy balloon. It's Chinese. We all know that one. Even though a lot of people, not a lot of people, even though some people are still saying it isn't of this earth, man, it's it's really UFO and then the government's lying to you. No. It's a spy balloon. But what about the others? I wanted to jump immediately into a live episode when the second one was shot down. Then the third one. Then the fourth one. And I was like, all right, what is happening? Are we just shooting down anything that's flying in the air right now? 
You know, if the Muppets get up in a hot air balloon, we shooting them down too? Like, what is going on? And I wanted to jump on a live episode and just be like, you know, cause some panic. All right, so we had one over Alaska, then one over Canada, finally the one over Michigan's Lake Huron. Now, that last one is the one that I really want to talk about it because it's the most intriguing to me because, you know, Michigan, and because the initial reports, they weren't described as balloon shape. They were described as long, metallic, octagonal objects. That don't sound like a balloon to me. And if you follow the story as it unfolded, people in the UFO community were tracking the military planes doing grid patterns over Lake Huron after they failed the first missile and shot it down with the second missile. When they were trying to recover the wreckage, their people were tracking them. It wasn't just the American government, the Canadian government. They were tracking those planes going in grid patterns over, port, over uh, Lake Huron. Then people went out on Lake Huron and they were shuttled away. They were like pushed away by military, both Canadian and American military. They couldn't get anywhere near the region where that UAO, UFO, basically UAP, was shot down. And get this. They never recovered the wreckage. Officially, I'll just say it that way. I'll be, I'll be spooky and say officially, they never recovered the wreckage. And the U.S. government said they didn't find it and probably wouldn't find any wreckage. And the searches were called off for the Alaska one and the Canadian one, too. So I went into, like, like I said, I've been following this like crazy. Don't worry. Everybody that sent it to me, thank you. I do appreciate when you guys send me stories and be like, why aren't you talking about this? Well, I am now, right here. It's happening. But, <coughs> pardon me, but it was, I didn't want to do it too soon. There were other podcasts that immediately were like, UFOs are being shot down as we speak over the skies of America and Canada you know, breaking news. Here's everything that we don't know, but we're just finding on random websites. You know, they're, they're spherical objects being shot down. No, I wanted to wait till the dust settled a little bit. Follow them, follow the stories, follow the grid patterns, follow them tracking the planes. And it is interesting. The, the second, the Alaska one, interesting. The one over Canada, interesting. The one over Lake Huron, interesting. The first one, nah, it's just a spy balloon. But Here's some cool audio from the Alaska one. I'm not going to play all of it because it's like 10 minutes long. Um, maybe I'll post the link in the um, Facebook fan page. But here's some here's some very cool audio. Nope, not that. That's just a bad commercial. All right, here we go. I am as close as you can get on land to the location of the object that was shot down by the U.S. military. This is the one over... Fredho Bay coast of Alaska. and Alaska. So this is all ice, actually. Sea ice right here. This is the Arctic Ocean. And uh, I'll show a little picture of the flight tracker of the C-130 that's doing burning circles out here over the ice, over what we presume is the location of this uh, object. I'll put that uh, on the screen so you guys can see it. And I'll put a little red dot for as close as uh, I can get to it and show you where I'm at. Um, obviously, this... Alrighty, so he showed the photo. He's far, far away from it. It's pretty thick, so anything they shot down over there should be uh, recoverable. Uh, my coworkers have heard jets flying over, and we've seen a Black Hawk helicopter fly out over the ice, so they're definitely out there somewhere. This is what it looks like. It's about 17 below and kind of cloudy, but they'll find whatever it is, I'm sure. All right, guys. All right, I'm going to pause it real quick. Uh, so he showed a quick photo of where he was at, like the little pinpoint location, and then where the, the grid pattern was happening with the planes. And they were far, you know, pretty far out there. 
Now I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to, I don't know, right around to pick here. up some small little car-sized object seems kind of strange, but there's a lot of stuff going on. Stay tuned. All right, here's some of the photos of what we're seeing up here. Pretty crazy military activity. Uh, the whole reason I made this video a is kind of draw some attention to my YouTube planes. channel. So if you guys want to check it out, Backcountry Alaska, it's everything I do up here. Yeah, I'll give them that free plug. Backcountry Alaska. Right, Backcountry Alaska. Here's something going on right here. All right, he's uh, back out to the be, location. This could just be a cargo plane or something, because we do have cargo planes that land at Dead Horse, which is right over there. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead again. There's a couple of cargo planes that fly over him, a couple of bigger planes that fly over him, and then a very big plane. Here comes a Blackhawk. Here we go. Here's a Blackhawk helicopter and a big, big plane fly over him. This this search pattern... All right, that's about it for this. This search pattern was huge, and this guy watched them go through there, and they said, nope, we didn't find nothing. Nothing was recovered. The amount of military that were out there that didn't recover anything, and they're saying, oh, but it's feet of snow. No, everything that I can find online from people in the area and this guy in the area said, no, it should have just hit the ice and just sitting there right on top of the ice. So something interesting's happening. Were they just Mylar balloons? Maybe. Were they UFOs, UAPs, and they don't want to panic the general public? Maybe. The problem is we probably won't ever know. I mean, we might. Maybe they'll finally release it, but we might not ever know. Now, some people have an interesting theory that I wanted to throw out there. They think it is to desensitize us. If the governments of the world really have to go shoot down aliens or, you know, alien UAPs, and if they keep doing stories like these, people will care less and less and less, which I got to say, it's already happening here. By the time the fourth balloon was shot down, people were like, I don't care anymore. And if they keep saying, oh, just another balloon, just another balloon, and they make it a regular thing to have F-22s scramble and shoot down tiny little balloons with missiles, not even with bullets, with missiles, it's going to get to the point where people are going to be like blasé about it. People just, Most people just don't care anyways. Now, before I get on to my guest... I want to do one more. I want to talk about one more thing that I also thought was interesting in this constant week-long search, 10-day search for everything UFOs for this episode, new UFOs for this episode. I thought it was actually really interesting. It's called a step-by-step -step disclosure. It's just this person's theory. And they said, um, I think it's a process. You know, I think disclosure is going to be a process, not a quick event that happens overnight. As you know, I agree with that. I think it's going to be slowly but surely over the years or however long, we're going to slowly get disclosure. And this guy says, here's what I think. This is the order I think it's going to go in. One, foreign enemy spy tech. That's happening right now. Two, unknown objects. Kind of happening right now with these balloons. We don't know where they are or where they're from. Three, hey, everyone, we don't know what they are that's up in the skies. That also is kind of already happening. There's been Department of Defense people that have said, you know, we're, we're out to protect the skies over America from anything known or unknown. Without saying they might be UFOs, they said they might be UFOs. Number four, let's ask about maybe, maybe we find the owner and the creator of these, these devices, this foreign tech. Yep, that's already happening too. Who, who's, whose balloons did we shoot down if they were balloons? 
Number five, disclosure of past UFO cases and historical evidence. Hey, that's been happening for a while. Number six, further enhancement and expansion of awareness and consciousness. This one, they kind of lost me. I don't think that there is further enhancement or expansion of awareness or consciousness that's happening right now. If anything, people are becoming more closed-minded. As the, as the sides uh, get more and more divided, people are getting less enhanced, less expanding of their awareness or consciousness. Uh, number seven, debate, debates as to what consciousness represents. Again, I'm not seeing that yet, but I mean, this is the steps, so maybe we're not at that step yet. Number eight, are they out of this world intelligence? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more discussions of that, sure. Number nine, if so, why are they so benign? Why are they not attacking, colonizing, interfering with us? That question has been asked since UFOs have been out there. If they really are that advanced, it should be just like what happens, <clears throat> what happens in human history. The more advanced civilization just basically wipes out or enslaves the lower advanced civilizations. And number 10. Given that they're everywhere, benign, and we have past historical evidence of these objects, which are clearly not human-made, maybe they're here for a noble purpose, such as enlightenment of our species, especially given that they noticed a worrying trend which may lead towards destruction and annihilation of our species. I like that one. That's the one that caught me because I think that is what's happening. I mean, even the Paranormal News article, the story about um, they're looking in, the military's going to look into those UFOs that shut down warheads back in the day in the 60s. There's a lot of stories about them around military bases seemingly stopping humans before we could hurt or kill ourselves or, or destroy ourselves. So I thought that one was really interesting. It's a bit, um, it gets a little woo-woo towards the middle there, towards like six and seven. But I still kind of, I still kind of like it. I really do. I do think that if they were going to kill us all, guess what? We'd all be dead. They have the ability to get here, either transdimensionally with uh, propulsion that we don't understand. They can fly circles around any aircraft that we have. If they were going to kill us, we'd be dead already. So there is another purpose, whether our governments are working with them or whether they're just out to make humankind better. I don't know, but we'd be dead is what I'm saying. And we're not. We're still here. I'm still here. Hopefully you're still here because let me introduce you to my guest for this episode. Her name is Kathleen Martin. Let me say that without my voice cracking. Her name is Kathleen Martin. She is the author and co-author of a number of the best books on UFOs and abductions that are out there. She co-wrote Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience with Stanton Friedman. They also co-wrote Science Was Wrong and Fact, Fact, Fiction, and Flying Saucers. Her newest book is Forbidden Knowledge, A Personal Journey from a Alien... Oh, oof, I screwed that one up. I apologize, Kathleen. Forbidden Knowledge, A Personal Journey from Alien Abduction to Spiritual Transformation. So please, please, please... Give a warm, big, happy Paramaniacs welcome to Kathleen Martin, and let me jump right in to the interview with her. It was a fantastic talk. I have to say, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you guys do as well. I'll see you on the flip side. 
First of all, Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while, and I finally got the courage to reach out to you. Um, I love your books. Um, thank you. It, it, it seems like you were born for this. Uh, for the for the listeners that might not know, you have some very famous relatives in the UFO community. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, Betty and Barney Hill wow. were my aunt and uncle. I was thirteen years old when they had their experience, and uh, when they arrived home that day, my aunt Betty called my mother, and I was in the room. I overheard the conversation, and. Uh, was very curious. And within a couple of days, my family and I went to Betty's and Barney's house. And so I was able to hear the story on for myself and to see some of the evidence. And, yeah. you know, that really sparked a deep curiosity in me about uh, what they then called flying saucers, but also in astronomy and science. And eventually, when I saw the impact that that had on my aunt and uncle um also psychology and you know in in college i studied psychiatric social work oh wow oh, very interesting i like i like that um so you get to see it from from both sides from a clinical side and then from you know the firsthand storytelling side of things oh absolutely both sides plus uh, years later, I put on my field investigator's hat. Uh, the, I was trained by the Mutual UFO Network. I had actually had the opportunity to observe uh, the very famous early on scientific investigators as well. Met them, uh, interviewed quite a few of them when I began my own investigation of that case. Oh, but wow. I did my own extensive investigation of the case plus i had all of the archival records as well so i think that i probably have uh, the the largest collection of information on the hill case of anyone no kidding even with the even uh, compared to like the what is it the unh library that has everything well i set up the collection at the <laughs> unh library it. And I have more than is in the wow. UNH library. This is yes. literally one of the first stories I ever remember hearing that really got me into what I'm doing now in the UFO community and everything. So it's incredible. What did they think of you having an interest in UFOs and abductions after what happened to them? Well, it sort of, I guess, just came naturally. So uh, they were really role models for me when I was growing up. Really? We did a lot of things together and uh, went on trips together. Oh, wow. They uh, encouraged me to become involved in politics. <clears throat> they encouraged me to uh, become involved in the civil rights movement. My uncle was black, my Definitely. aunt was yeah. white. Yeah. And uh, so we did all of those things. I, I went to Lyndon Johnson's inauguration with Betty and Barney wow. uh, as an invited guest by Lyndon Johnson. What was, they, what was that like? That was the greatest experience of my life. I can only imagine. You know, I, I was 16 years old. I believe it was 16 at the time. And uh, it was just wonderful going to the parties, meeting all of the high-level politicians, being in the same room with 
uh, uh, top level with vice president uh, being at the inauguration itself. Uh, it was fantastic. What did what did Lyndon Johnson or actually anybody at that experience? What did they think? Were they apprehensive of a UFO abduction, or were they interested, or did they seem to know more? You know, like what was that atmosphere like? Well, the thing is that Betty and Barney never intended to have their information made public. Yeah. So at that time, it had not been made public. Oh, even this behind was, even behind closed doors, there was no even whispers of it, huh? No. Oh, no, interesting. Not, not politically. Uh, Betty and Barney were willing to speak to scientists. So a number of scientists knew about this. And uh, it was the first scientifically investigated case of alien abduction in the United States. So uh, scientists, they talked to military officers about it as well. And because the family, but we were sworn to confidentiality. I'm sure. And they're close friends who were sworn to confidentiality as well. So when we went to Lyndon Johnson's inauguration, we were just there as people who were active in politics in the state of New Hampshire. And that year, Barney was appointed to the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights as the uh, state advisory board member. Uh, he was also uh, the very active in the NAACP, a member of the regional board of directors for the NAACP. He had received an award from Sergeant Shriver for the work that he had done on the federal poverty program. Sure. With funding, setting up the Rockingham County Community Action Program in the state of New Hampshire. Wow. He had worked on a literacy program. Because in the, that time frame, if you wanted to vote, you had to pass a literacy test. Sure. And so this was to teach people how to read so that they could vote. So Barney was very active in, in a lot of uh, things in the state of New Hampshire. And Bar Betty stood by his side, but she let him take credit for the, the work that they did together, actually. Oh, sure. I guess I, I guess in my mind, for some reason, I was thinking that they would have investigated Barney to the nth degree, especially at that hot topic of the time, um, to, to un try to uncover anything. And that's why I was thinking maybe behind closed doors, they had actually known about the UFO or were, you know, interested or concerned about that part of them? Well, I have to tell you, when the story uh, broke, and this was at the end of October in 1965, <laughs> again, 65 was a big year. Right. Um, it, uh, it appeared for five days in the Boston Traveler. Now, the reporter for the Boston Traveler had re received uh, the information as a leak through a friend of my Aunt Betty, who was also a UFO investigator. And so uh, he, this reporter, John Luttrell, contacted Betty and Barney, and they said, no, we're not interested in talking to you. Um, we're not going to cooperate on this in any way. But he... Uh, had spoken to Pease Air Force Base. He was able to acquire the Project Blue Book files. Wow. He had spoken to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena. 
and had interviewed all of their neighbors. In fact, his investigation was so extensive that he, at that point, had found six witnesses to the craft that night. No kidding. Yes, and it's right there in these newspaper articles. In the end, he found 12 to 14 now, I'd to the heard... craft in the same location in New Hampshire. <clears throat> I had heard, and I, I'm, I'm obviously... Misinformed. I had heard that they they debunked a lot of that, that there were no witnesses. And there was, you know, if you go to the skeptics, which I do not believe, there are some skeptics to say that Betty and Barney had watched, what was it like? Not Twilight Zone, Outer Limits or something to that effect uh, and got yes, the idea. Uh, the, the Bolero Shield. Yes, yes, that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And that's another ridiculous really myth is. that's really been propagated is. by these uh, hard-nosed skeptics up. who refuse to look at the evidence yeah. and just only want to dismiss everything. But, yeah, that It, that it cracks happened. me up that There's that so stuff keeps coming back information. up. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how do you sift through that? You've done such an incredible investigation into it. How did you sift through all of that? Because it's not like it is today where – you know, I can go online and I can find a ton of good information and a ton of bad information and I can fi figure out which is which. You know, when you were really doing the work, you had to go through, I'm assuming, stacks of papers and talk to people and figure out if what they were telling you was accurate. Yeah, well, I was, do you mean the work in the investigation of Betty's and Barney's case or with other people? Well, I was, you know what, let's open it up to every, but you know what, I'll open that up to all of it. Yeah, you're all of your work. Yeah, that's even a better way of doing it. Okay. Well, you know, for a very long time, I've been able to identify who these disinformants and hard-nosed skeptics are. And so I... I'm familiar with all of their work. I've bought their books. I have everything that I think any of them have written. So I, I knew, I really examined the way they reconstructed the story. They deconstructed a story and then they reconstructed it with false information and speculation. That's what they did. I looked into these backgrounds and I did find that some of them had uh, connections to the federal government. Oh, so, interesting. You know, the possible, and, and I did find in an archival collection at the American Philosophical Society that certain little coterie of these individuals were working together, were writing together, uh, who were attempting to uh, prevent scientists from uh, agreeing to uh, appear on panel discussions with scientists who were actually studying UFOs. Sure. Oh, yeah. That's that was a big, big one. Yeah. Uh, even even J. Allen Hynek ran into that. So of course, yeah. It, it, any kind of seed of misinformation to kind discredit and put that stigma on there, it really kind of scared the scientific community. Um, yes, uh, you know, I even found a letter from uh, one of these hard-nosed skeptics today who was a student at Northwestern University in that time frame when Dr. Alan Hynek was there as um, the head of the astronomy department and also the, the observatory. And uh, what I discovered is one of these skeptics said, in a letter that I found at the American Philosophical Society that this student was spying uh, for him in really? order to collect 
evidence or dirt that he could use against Alan Hynek to attempt to destroy his <laughs> reputation. It's funny. I've spoken with his son a, a few times, um, and it's so it's so disheartening. Like like you can see it in, in his son's eyes. Like you know, my dad only wanted the best. And, and I, like you, we, we talked about it briefly online that, you know, I think science will prove the paranormal. I think science will prove, you know, UFOs as well. Um, mm -hmm. I love that you use science, I should say. Did you get any pushback from the scientific community throughout any of the cases about trying to use science to prove, you know, abductions or UFOs or any of it? Well, I, what I ended up doing is I got some pushback initially um, and when I attempted to defend the work that I had done, it was like a shark attack. Everybody <laughs> on Kathy. <laughs> and it was just ridiculous. It was uh, an attack on me as an individual. There, right. there was nothing scientific about this attack. And so I, I ended up um, simply referring to these individuals as adult bullies, because right? that's what yeah. they were doing. And I also exposed them uh, for what they did. They were not being scientific at all. Uh, every All of the scientists I know who have actually worked on my work uh, looked into this case and the work I've done uh, have hold me in very high regard. I love I to hear that. that over and over again, but it is these, uh, disinformants, what I call adult bullies at this point yeah. who, uh, are disseminating false information. But for the most part, uh, they don't even want to have anything to do with me, which I'm really happy about. How I, did you do I that? I need to learn how to do that. I, I got to learn how to do that. That's amazing that you manage that. <laughs> yeah, I simply won't respond to them. And I've made it very clear publicly and to them individually that I have no intention of wasting my valuable time trying to find answers. You know, doing the science, I'm not going to get involved in their charades. No, I think that's smart. Let your work speak for itself. And if they want to read your work and if they have, you know, qualms about it, that's on them. I think that's the smart way of doing it. Like I said, I got a lot to learn from you because it's got to be, it's got to be very difficult, especially, you know, back then. Now there's not so much of a stigma. There still is a little bit. If I mention UFOs in mixed company, sometimes it'll, you know, go awry. But for the most part, people just go, oh, he's one of those UFO guys and kind of just walk away kind of a thing. So, but back in the day when you're trying to do like legitimate scientific work and trying and looking at getting back to the Barney, uh, Betty and Barney, looking at their physical evidence and trying to, you know, scientifically prove stuff with it. It I, I'm well, I guess I'll just ask, was it difficult to get someone to take you seriously to try and do some of that evidence or to try and research some of that evidence? Uh, I am very pleased that so many scientists were interested oh, good. in evaluating that evidence, uh, starting with uh, Phyllis Budinger, who has a master's degree uh, in science. She worked for BP Amico, formerly Standard Oil, for 35 years as an analytical chemist. Wow. And she did a very extensive examination uh, chemi you know, chemical analysis 
of uh, Betty's dress. The dress, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, even had DNA testing done on it. Uh, since then, we've had more DNA testing done on the dress. Uh, we've had um, the University of, whoa, it's in Pennsylvania. It was, I think it's Pennsylvania State. Hmm. I could be wrong on that. But uh, anyway, they've done um, an, an analysis and found uh, rare and expensive metals on Interesting. the front of her dress that absolutely should not have been there. Uh, there's DNA evidence uh, near where Betty's navel would have been. Uh, on the dress, it's uh, fluid. It had the appearance of what may have been her blood, but the sample was just too old. I had a disc with Betty's blood on it uh, to use as a control. And uh, this, what we found uh, was definitely fluid from Betty's body. This is, I say, wow. what we found. The laboratory that did this analysis found is fluid from Betty's body in the area of her navel. And, and it did not leak through to the outside of the dress. Uh, it was only on the lining and um, more heavily on the inside of the lining. So, you know, Wow. It it could mean that the needle in the navel yeah. memory yeah. was was real. So, you know, that's the level of evidence that we have in these uh, cases. We can't say uh, we found metals from that are off this planet. We haven't found that yet. Sure. I know uh, some implants that Dr. Lear uh, oh, sure. had yeah. removed did have metals from off this planet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He, he, his but, stuff was really difficult for me because just as many as he, he did say, say when he found something that was, you know, easily disprovable, he was very open about that. But a lot mm -hmm. of, again, a lot of skeptics just immediately go, well, you know, you stepped on a piece of glass in your kitchen years ago and it got wedged in your foot and you didn't notice it until you were looking for it. You know, you can go down those rabbit holes. Um, it, yeah. But it's interesting because you kind of like touch on a couple of the questions I was going to have. Was there anything shocking or surprising when you investigate these kind of cases. Um, so what would it be? What is your needle in the haystack that you want to find that you think would be irrefutable evidence that even the most hardened skeptic would be like, okay, there's something there. Oh my God. <laughs> Big question. I know I went bold. <laughs> I, I don't know because, you know, in an investigation of this kind, I've just accepted the idea that it's more like a court case, like I'm taking a, a case to a court of law to attempt to convict these sure. ETs, and I'm looking for evidence that links them to the case. You know, I'm if um, one day I would hope to uh, have uh, an ET walk up to me and and have a conversation, but that's never going to happen. Never say you never. Know, I've, <laughs> I've had one walk up to me. I felt its presence and it communicated with me telepathically. Yeah. But how can I ever prove that to anybody? I can't. I mean, it's that kind of thing. You just can't prove it. Well, that's that's, uh, that's have, yeah. Uh, in one of my cases, I have a video of these entities coming in on uh, a beam of light, dropping off the beam uh, and materializing as they 
come down toward the, the ground. This is in an abduction case that MUFON and I investigated. Uh, it is uh, a real case. Sure. Uh, it involves an experiencer who has been uh, investigated by federal authorities, and they believe that it is real as well. But how do I prove that these entities are from space? How do I know that? We I'm didn't with you have there. to crap on, yeah. on film. <laughs> and look, so, if, you know, we, there's chances that we do have craft. You know, there's been plenty of crafts that have crashed and could have been recovered, and we probably do have that evidence. So, you know, oh, I'm sure we yeah, do. Yeah, but it's it's uh, it's like you know what you're just saying. It's tough for like you yourself or me to say 100 percent like, yep, we've got it because no one's gonna believe it until you show them the ET, you show them the craft. You know, it is very difficult. Um, that's why I liked that you you wrote a book. Uh, Science was wrong. Um, it's, it's a very good book. I really did it. I really enjoyed it because it is, you're you're right. The more data that we get, you know, it's science can be wrong. And then when we get the more data or when, you know, years go on and we get a little bit more technologically advanced, science does catch on. When do you Mm -hmm. think that that'll be the next one where science goes, okay, we were, we were wrong. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Have you ever spoken with him? I, I was on a panel discussion with him. Ooh. Was it him? No, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't him. It was Seth Shostak who oh, was on still, that panel. But still, that yeah, had to be a, a, a highly, highly debatable uh, panel to be on with him. Um, mm-hmm. But how do you deal with somebody like that? Like, what do you, or what do you hope, I guess you sh- I should say, that for science, for someone like that, when do you think they'll finally drop the stigma completely? <laughs> Disclosure is really happening at a rapid rate. But for somebody like them, they always just go, nope, can't happen. Yeah, well, I don't let them bother me. I just think that you know they're locked into their own um, scientific yeah. uh, ideology and that uh, since we can't do it, they aren't going to say that anyone else can do it. Maybe it's possible, but uh, they have no... Uh, proof of it. And so that's, you know, that's the stance that they take. There are many other scientists who are more open-minded, who are actually studying this, who are developing theories about this using quantum physics. I can't help it if some people are locked into Newtonian physics and they don't want to move beyond that. Yeah. Um, let's go with the forward thinking scientists who are actually studying the evidence, who are interacting with this uh, phenomenon, who, uh, you know, for example, Dr. Gary Nolan, oh, who sure. uh, was uh, funded by the CIA to study the, the brains of uh, military <clears throat> officers or uh mostly officers who had close contact with these craft who he originally thought were brain damaged as a result of the electromagnetic radiation or perhaps ionizing radiation. Mm -hmm. But in, uh, in the end, it ended up uh, sort of being a patch in that area of the brain, increasing the neural connections uh, to wow. make them yeah. more intelligent to 
uh, give them special characteristics. And so, you know, that's really important science. That's what we need to focus on. Dr. Claude Swanson, a leading physicist who has uh, written a theory of the paranormal, explaining the paranormal using theoretical physics. I love that. Quantum physics, but also uh, showing photographic evidence that this is real. And it, it wasn't a hoaxed fo- photographic sure. evidence. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, so, that's the problem is like, there, you know, there's people that dig their heels in on the scientific community. And then there's people that dig their heels in on the religious side of things. Which, yes. which field have you gotten more pushback? Because I can tell you from experience, for me, it's been the religious. If I even touch on something like this part of this episode will have a complaint. People will oh, you can't do that. But I've had more pushback from the religious side of the community. I've had pushback from the religious side of the community too, Jim, who believe that uh, it is impossible for extraterrestrials to come to our planet or even that uh, interdimensional life is impossible. And that uh, according to the Bible and what they were taught, this is... Uh, all uh, demons who, oh boy. who are visiting. Yep, exactly. And, you know, they've, they've, they've been the rudest. They've been the most threatening. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So oh, my God, yeah. I get, I, get, I, I get, get death threats from real hardcore religious people that, for some reason, listen to a podcast called Paranormal Almanac, thinking that mm-hmm. I won't talk about. You know, it's bizarre to me, yeah. It is, and it's it's very unfortunate that they're so close-minded. You know, I was going to write a book for the uh, religious community, various religions around the world. And so we, a friend of mine is uh, an ordained minister. Mm, And so she was sampling the religious community and how many ministers had actually discussed this with their congregation. And the general consensus was they had no interest in discussing UFOs with their congregation or the uh, possibility that life might exist outside our planet. And uh, they were very much locked into their religious ideology. Now, I'm not going to say they can't be. I'm not oh, sure. I'm not going to say open your minds. I, I say I respect your right to your religious beliefs. Exactly. But I also have a right to respect for the science that I'm doing. Yeah. Or even like even just in general, like there's nothing about, in my opinion anyway, my personal opinion, Kurt's opinion, there's nothing about UFOs or or aliens that disproves religion like you can still have it it can still be part of you know god's plan so i've never understood that whole like immediate like nope it can't happen nope put my foot down you know death threat to kurt you know i've never understood that kind of mindset because i do think that if we all come together i mean in the perfect world we all come together and and say there's a big possibility like the pope said you know there can be aliens which was a very big step forward that i think that that the stigma will go away and it'll make it easier for disclosure. I agree. And I've worked on um, comparing the statements that have been made 
to certain individuals by ETs. I shouldn't say statements. It's just information uh, conveyed to them telepathically. And the ETs say over and over again that uh, we are all part of one consciousness. Yeah. And that there is like a higher power at the top of that consciousness that they um, they generally refer to as source or the creator. Mm -hmm. Now, isn't God the creator? Right. Yeah. But, you know, when when these um, basically, I guess, um, I don't know, fundamentalists or evangelical Christians uh, hear that information, they immediately are instilled with fear. Yes. That it can't be true, that this must be the devil conveying this kind of information. But I've, as part of my work, I have ended up um, coming, you might say, face to face with the devil. Oh, in wow. In a sense. Um, I was working on uh, a UFO investigation, but there was never a UFO. And I wanted to know the truth. And I, I overstepped my bounds and uh, ended up picking up an attachment from this man oh, really? who uh, said that he was being taken to an underground facility and it, humans were being tortured and, and exterminated by these uh, reptilian entities with tails, draconian reptilians. And this man was becoming sicker and sicker and sicker. It's not just one man. I've, I've had it happen with more than one, but I keep my, <laughs> keep my distance now. But with that one, I ended up uh, having one of these demonic attachments come over me. It was like immediate, like oh wow, a, uh, a dark cloud. And I'm generally a happy person, you know, and, and not too much bothers me. But all of a sudden, uh, I couldn't sleep. Uh, well, my body was hurting and uh, all kinds of things. I, I used, tried to use religion on my own because I'm a religious person and a spiritual person. Sure. And so, uh, holy water, the uh, crucifix, prayer, and, uh, this thing just kept growing. And I finally had to have it removed. Um, it, it, I started swearing. I never swear. I mean, it was taking control of me. And, and so I, I realized it, I, what had happened and I, I had to have it removed. And it was some of these kind ETs who actually removed it. I was just going to ask who um, removed it for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, my, my friend, the minister was going to come down and remove it herself. She tried to just do it. Uh, over the telephone and it didn't work. You know, this thing had gained power. And so uh, it was the ETs who did it. And since then, I've learned uh, that it has a lot to do with lowering your vibrational frequency, which is, you know, that 
that too has to do with physics. Sure. Not woo-woo. No, no. Nikola Tesla <laughs> and, right there. Vibrations are everything. Yeah, with yeah. Tesla. Yeah. So you can listen to binaural beats to elevate your frequency. Mm -hmm. So I know that if it ever happens again, I only need to do that. In fact, I had, there was a man who was in, influencing me not too long ago who I'm, I feel certain now had contact with these lower vibrating entities that may be demons. I mean, maybe they're not even extraterrestrials. Wow. Um, and I could feel this darkness kind of enter. And so I just went and online and started listening to binaural beats. And uh, before I knew it, it was gone. It didn't want to hang around my environment. Interesting. It's funny that yeah. you bring up vibrations because that's something that I've been looking at for a little while for a future episode and including about Nikola Tesla, but about the vibrations. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very interesting that it kind of just came up, um, you know, organically in this conversation. I really <laughs> like that. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so can you tell us a little bit about um, any access that you've been given that you haven't really released yet? I mean, I'm sure you've gotten with all of the files and everything that you've been you've been given access to in the past. You say it that you've been you know, you've had access even with Stanton Friedman. You had access as well. Um, was there anything that, that you have that you haven't, I don't know how to say it, like, I don't want you to spoil anything for us, but is there anything that you've come across that you think that the world should know or is the next big thing? Well, um, I've released everything. Oh, interesting. Okay. But um, some of it has not uh, gone out to a very wide audience. Um, I talked about that video of that uh, UFO abduction in progress. Um, I've shown that at a couple of conferences, but that's something I'll continue to show. I wanted it to be released. Uh, I found a mainstream television show uh, that was very interested. The producer was very interested in it. Uh, the very credible witnesses who were willing to cooperate. But then um, the big guys uh, who had the final word said, uh, the public is not ready for this yet. Huh. So, I mean, so much of what I do is uh, kind of highly advanced and the public isn't ready for it. When do you think the uh, public will be ready for it? Because I'm ready for it now. You could show me anything and I'd be happy. But <laughs> I don't know when the public will be ready. I know that, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to see that uh, former federal employees. Me too. Um, have come forward to reveal what they know. Uh, for years, Stanton and I worked to to reveal what the government knew oh, sure. and what we'd found in files, uh, in archival collections and that sort of thing. So, but now other people are coming forward. I'm happy to see that Congress is looking into this. But every year when uh, the new funding yep. is approved for the military, it's the program seems to change its name. And so I'm concerned when uh, it now becomes uh, anomalous phenomena, yep. not even uh, 
uh, UAPs, uh, but just plain anomalous phenomena. Well, my theory so, is they do that so the Freedom of Information Act will no longer apply because you have to be very specific with your Freedom of Information Act requests. You have to say UAP or UFO. If you were asking for something about a UAP in the 1950s, they can go, well, we call it UFOs back then. Now we call it right. UAPs. Now we call it, you know, like they keep changing the vernacular to make it harder for us to get our hands on this information. <laughs> I mean, that's just, again, my personal theory. Yeah, well, you know, certain uh, parts of the government do that and have always done yeah. that. The military yeah. doesn't want the public to know. The military has been covering this up, you know, from the very beginning. They've, I'm probably your listeners are aware of the history of government involvement, the oh, major yeah. studies oh, yeah. that have been carried out, and those. Uh, the, the decision to cover up the truth and who was involved in the cover-up. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I can't predict what the government sure. is going to do now. I felt optimistic, but I'm not as optimistic as I was. Yep. I'm just very pleased that certain scientists and former government officials that I believe are telling the truth. Oh yeah. Who have evidence are sharing that information. Oh yeah. That's I'm, really important. It always bummed me very, out. Oh, so, oh no, sorry. go ahead. Go no, ahead. please go ahead. Uh, I I just was going to say that I'm I'm I am worried that uh, a segment of the population certainly isn't ready for this, such well, as the true. religious uh Right, you might say. Yeah, no, you're 100% on that one. I was just going to say that it bums me out that there are so many people that, that took it to their deathbed. They never on their deathbed said, this is what happened. I was told not to say anything. And we lost so much vital information, in my opinion. Again, I think we lost so much vital information from people who were there in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And it, and it really bums me out. But like you were saying, it, it makes me gives me hope that people are now saying, oh, and by the way, back in the day, I saw this, that, and the other without that, I don't know, misguided uh, uh, patriotism or whatever the reasoning behind it was, or threats on their lives or their families' lives was a big one as well. So, you know, was there any, did you have any scary um, interactions with the government? I, I don't know if it was the government or who it was who harassed me. But after I wrote the, well, let me say, after I wrote Captured, mm -hmm. I received a phone call and it, uh, it was from Atlantic City. And um, there was a man who just said, identified himself as uh, working for a federal agency. And he said, I, we like what you and Friedman are doing. And if the time comes that we don't, we'll let you know. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that, I was a little shaken just by that that's phone a, call. That's a scary threat without being a scary threat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how do you know? Well, I guess I crossed the line when I wrote the alien abduction files. Really? With Denise Stoner. And uh, we were going on uh, shows and... Denise was talking about her past involvement with the federal government, how she'd worked for the National Park Service and how she'd worked for the Department of Defense. And uh, I guess they didn't like it because 
all of a sudden um, we were being uh, cut off on our the shows that we were doing in order to promote this book. We were under contract to promote this book on like a hundred shows. Wow, it was a lot, and uh, and so one time uh, the, the station went down, and we were both online. And then we finally lost our connection. And then I went to the phone and I picked it up and I said, uh, I, I tried to call Denise and my line was down too. Uh, nothing, um, no dial tone. And so I was able to contact Denise a few minutes later using my cell phone. And Nope, that's not the way the story went. This is a while ago. I'm trying to remember, you know, <laughs> memory is mixed up a little bit. So, um, yeah, what happened is I picked up my landline immediately and called her. And I said to, to, uh, to her, um, know, hello, Denise, she was there. And I said, and to the third party... <laughs> It was listening in on this conversation. You're violating my constitutional rights and you are a criminal. And immediately everything went down. That's wow. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Right. So I picked up my cell phone. I was able to, to reach Denise and um, she ended up having to call her uh, cable company to come over and take a look because everything that of hers went down for 24 hours. Now mine came back within 15 minutes, but uh, so she had uh, a cable worker come out and look at the wiring and couldn't figure out what was going on. So the supervisor went out to her house and uh, the supervisor called Denise and her husband outside and said, do you know what this uh, wire is, this bundle of wire? And, and they said, no, we don't know what it is. And the supervisor said, well, it looks like Department of Defense line going into your house. What do you want us to do about it? What? Yeah. That's what I said, wow. too. And, you know, so then after that, I, I spoke at uh, with conferences. I'm, you know, I speak a, across the country sure. at conferences. And uh, I would have some man show up, different men show up and, and threaten me. Just, you know, these, uh, just to scare me, I think. But I won't be scared. I I, like no that. one's going to stop me from doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, my attitude is if they want to shut me up, they can pay me to shut me up. <laughs> I like that attitude. That goes for me, whoever's listening to this right now that's not my fans. Yeah, <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, yeah, that always worries me that, uh, you know, when do I when do I say the wrong thing or have the wrong guest on? And then all of a sudden, you know, you hear the weird clicks on the phone or the Internet starts getting all funky and, you know, it's 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 happened a couple of times, but I think it's just my internet, and I don't know, so I'm just going to assume I'm still okay. <laughs> yeah, what I would always get before it went down was it would be a sound like uh, the hollow sound of a basement, really, and like water running, 
and then we'd lose the connection. So after that, Denise and I would listen for that sound. And if we heard it, we knew that we had to change the subject immediately no because kidding. we were um, <laughs> entering uncertain ground where we could lose that connection. No so kidding. it worked out that way. And and Denise stopped saying that she worked for the Department of Defense, <laughs> too. She would introduce herself as uh, someone who led meditation groups. <laughs> <laughs> I used to work with a, a gentleman back in the day in the early 2000s at an Internet company, a social media company. And in the, he was hired because he was with the FBI. And we mm -hmm. needed that for the social media. And I noticed that same thing, that he would never introduce himself as someone who works with the FBI. And he would just say, you know, I'm just a dad doing my thing. And I'm, I always thought it was odd. And he inferred kind of the same thing. You know, I don't want to, it's undue attention that I don't need. And not from those people, right. but from uh, the government. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always thought that would give Denise credibility. Sure. But then when I saw this happening, I, I said to her, finally, you know, I think you're embarrassing our government. I think you need to just stop talking about yourself and how you used to work for them and and just uh, mention your connection with the mutual UFO network and your uh, you know meditation groups interesting that's so I funny that I've had that same kind of thing not per, not firsthand but yeah um there's a question I always ask we're getting close to the end I want to make sure I give you time to to you know tell me a little bit about what you got coming up but I always ask this of all my guests have you become more or less I think I know the answer but I'm gonna ask it anyway have you become more or less convinced of the paranormal as you've studied it I became more convinced of the paranormal and the paranormal overlay on ET contact experiences it's uh you know lots of orbs. In fact, I've, I've worked on three major studies on experiencers, about 5,000. And what we discovered is that um, the two most prevalent things that are occurring in experiencers' homes that are considered really paranormal are the presence of light orbs that are seen with the naked eye. Mm-hmm. You're not kicking up dust and taking a picture with your camera. Yep. The naked eye. Yep, yep. <laughs> they seem to have intelligence. Sometimes they pop into extraterrestrial entities, usually three little grays. Yeah. And also the sensation that something unseen is walking on the bed when you're lying on that bed. Oh, yeah. That you can feel the weight, but you can't see what is there. So those are the two most prevalent. Interesting. All right. So that's what I, I thought you were going to say as you studied it, the more you, the, you know, you, you believe it more or you have more experiences with that 5,000 experiencers uh, study that you did, how quickly could you kind of weed out the ones where you were like, okay, that's something, you know, scientific, like that's sleep paralysis or that's, you know, X, Y, or Z where did you, did you find that you could, you know, weed through them pretty quickly? There were, we did actually three studies. The first study was, uh, we did in 2011 to 2013. And uh, we had a control group of people who had never uh, seen a UFO or been abducted. That's what we were calling it in those days for those who don't like the word abduction. Sure. <laughs> so um, we were able to identify 23 commonalities that these experiencers shared. And uh, we did not attempt to identify 
those who might be hoaxing, for example, those who might have mental illness in that mm -hmm. study. Uh, in the second study, it was the Edgar Mitchell Foundation's free study, um, Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Encounters. So um, when we did our first uh, statistical analysis, we had about, I think it was about 3,500 participants in that. And uh, we were not making an attempt to, I, to weed out those individuals who sure. might be mentally ill or hoaxing. In MUFON's study, the last study that I worked on with Dr. Don C. Dondary, Dr. Michael Austin Melton, and other members of MUFON's experiencer research team, uh, when I was the director for 10 years, this was done from 2015 to 2018, and we did look. Uh, we had a phase two part of the study where we were able to look and identify people as being real experiences or as opposed to those who were wannabes or hoaxers. There was an, a an, an instrument that Dr. Don C. Dondary had worked on that uh, was able to identify this. We also had trick questions. Interesting. And those trick questions were meant to weed out hoaxers too. So we were able to identify uh, people as uh, uh, fitting into certain categories. And it was very helpful to be able to do that so we could identify um, who actually did have UFO abduction syndrome and compare them to uh, everyone who took uh, part in this study. And we had 500 and over four, 500 people, 516 actually, that uh, after we had eliminated the hoaxers and the, the wannabes. Wow, that's still a big focus group, even the 500. That's amazing. Yes. Um, do you think there'll be more studies like that? Or do you, if you could, if you could direct someone to like, hey, you do another study or this next study, what would you want them to do slightly different or maybe add something onto it? I don't know if I'd want to do another study of that oh. kind. If if we did another one, I would want to do the same thing that we did. Okay. I think that it was it was excellent because we were able to identify people. I like that according answer. to the type of experience they had, and we were able to eliminate the hoaxers. So, uh, what better results could you get? I like that answer. I really do. Uh, please let the listeners know where they can find you. You know, should you wish to be fine, where they can find your yeah. books. Uh, you know, here's your chance. Here's your opportunity. I want to make sure that people. <laughs> get as much out of you as possible, because like I say, I love your work. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you can go to my website at kathleen-marden.com, M-A-R-D-E-N. You'll find out uh, where I'm going to be speaking this year. Um, I don't, I don't, haven't even put it up there yet. Um, I know, and I was hoping also, you'd be at AlienCon coming up. I was really hoping I'd get to see you in person. Yes. Well, I decided not to go this year and uh, maybe 
the next time. There you go. But I, I had some health issues oh, recently. Okay. And um, so I just, I'm be getting better. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I'm to better hear that. Now. Very glad to hear that. But I didn't dare to do it. I thought it might be too tiring. I didn't want to have a relapse. I don't blame But you. anyway, go yeah, to my yeah. website. Uh, you can order uh, autographed copies of my books. There are articles you can read, a lot of information there. Or all of my books are available on Amazon. Most of them, except for the new one, um, uh, what is it called? <laughs> You'll see it on there. Um, Which one? Forbidden Knowledge? Captured? Forbidden Knowledge. There we go. That's yep, it. Yep. <laughs> the new one is Forbidden Knowledge. Uh, that is not an audio book yet. Uh, you can you can get it as an ebook or as a, a paperback book. But all of the others are audiobooks at this point. So um, excellent on are, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And are you on um, social media? Can people find you there as well? I'm on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, I don't have a lot of time for social media. I'm always nope. looking for the answers. I like yeah. that answer as well. I'm the same way. I think this has been fantastic. Uh, thank you so much. I honestly, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with me because it was definitely a treat for me. And and what a life you are living with this experiences, like these experiences, like the, the fact that something that happened to a relative, you know, shaped your life is just absolutely incredible and that you you've run with it in the best way possible using science to prove stuff i think it's the best way to do it yes and in forbidden knowledge i've written much much more about my own life and my experiments we didn't even get a chance contact. to even talk about that yeah you know hopefully you'll like let me but hopefully you'll come back i would love to talk to you about your own experiences and in, in a future episode as well sure thank Sounds you so much how great was that, huh? I mean, I could have talked to her for another two hours. There were so many more questions that I had for her, um, but I'm going to have her back on. You heard that. You heard her say she'll come back on. So, I'll, you know, let's, let's hope that that's the case. I really do want her back on. You can check her out. Go to Kathleen-Marden.com. That's the best place to go for her got all of her information it's got her blog talks about her new book it's got her bookstores you can see upcoming speaking engagements um you can get autograph stuff and recent podcasts that she's been on hopefully that will be updated with this here podcast because i loved having her on there i love the fact that she's the niece of betty and barney hill like like I said on in the interview, like that's one of the one of these stories that made me get like really into UFOs when she had a firsthand experience with it. She was right there when it happened. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. I love the conversation. Like I said, just the tip of the iceberg of everything that I wanted to talk with her about. I had question after question that we never got to, but that's totally fine because I'll get to him on the next time she's on the show. So once again, I want to thank Kathleen Martin. I hope you guys liked the interview. Um, check out her books. Honestly, go go check out her books. She's got a variety of books that are all well worth checking out. The Extraterrestrial Contact, um, The Alien Abduction Files, Captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience, Fact Fiction and Flying Saucers, Science Was Wrong, Forbidden Knowledge, and apparently she's working on another one. That's maybe a, 
maybe it's a scoop. I'm going to call it a scoop. Hopefully it's a scoop for uh, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, my name is Kurt Sambig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Well, so we're going to